John chapter 14, mm-hmm. starting in verse 25. And give us a rundown, what's going on there, because this is uh, Jesus talking to his disciples, and what's kind of the context here. Yeah, so Jesus is basically saying the night he's going to be arrested, and then obviously he's, he'll get crucified afterwards. Um, you know, basically he's telling them, it's better that I'm leaving. And if you really knew what was coming, you would rejoice when I said that he's going away. And, of course, they don't understand that. Uh, But he talked to them about the Holy Spirit, the comforter, or the helper. And uh, he said, "Um, my peace I give to you, uh, you know, my peace I leave you, and I don't give as the world gives. And so uh, that was basically uh, when Jesus says, my peace I give you. Basically, the context of it, talking about uh, the Holy Spirit. And so, with this, you had an awesome analogy, though, when you were talking about because we're, we're rolling into the relationship with the Holy Spirit, and you had an analogy that I've never heard before. That I was like, that is so accurate, and it was the uh, peppermint frosty <laughs> analogy. <laughs> and I was like, the Wendy's true. peppermint frosty. Yeah. It's, you, you can't describe what it's like to experience it. You just have to go and get one. Yeah, you got to eat it. And, yeah. And that's, that's the only way to do it. Yeah. And so you can't, and that's so true because we can't really describe a relationship with the Holy Spirit in a way that would be impactful. Mm-hmm. We can describe the outcomes or what we get from that relationship, but we can't really put it into words. Right. Like, just like you can't really put into words that you love your wife or your husband. Mm-hmm. You know, you, it's like if you don't, if you haven't experienced having love for someone else, you cannot yeah. possibly understand yeah. it. No one can describe it to you. There's lots of knowledge that just comes by experience. And the Holy Spirit certainly is a personal relationship that, and a knowledge that only comes by uh, experience because he's a person, you know, and so. And I, you're right. I mean, we obviously can some, learn some things about him in the scripture, but to really ultimately uh, connect with the Holy Spirit and his fruit, then it's ultimately going to have to be tasted. And this is the only way to know peace. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, ultimately the supernatural peace that comes from God, which I think Paul describes very well in Philippians 4, uh, 17, I think, 15 or 16, 17, something like that. He's like, it's the peace that passes all understanding. So we can have peace for, you know, lots of different reasons, you know, like you get good news, right? You might end up having a lot of peace because, you know, maybe maybe a problem got solved, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but the peace that surpasses understanding, basically that peace that comes when you really necessarily shouldn't have it in a way, like, right? right. Um, it's not connected to news or circumstances or whatever it might be. It's actually connected to the, yeah, the supernatural calm that God is giving you through his Holy Spirit. Yeah, so we, we kind of see that in people who have been persecuted for their faith, that you, that their peace was never taken from them. No matter what happened to them during their you know, trials or tribulations, whatever you want to call it, during the time being persecuted, held prisoner, wherever they were, Paul being one of them, held prisoner, his peace was from the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So he was never like, 
you know, falling apart. Yeah. Because of that. Yeah. And actually, I think Peter even says that when we suffer, there is a certain blessing often when we're persecuted for uh, Jesus' sake uh, that the Holy Spirit rests on the one who is suffering in a sort of special way. Now, does that mean that you might not have terrible trials and suffering and pain? You know, you know, yes, probably still, but there does seem to be uh, quote-unquote extra grace or something when that is happening. Yeah. I mean, because this is the piece that, I mean, well, Jesus gets his peace from the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I think that's, that's when, when Jesus says, my peace I give you, I think when he's saying, he, he, it's right after him talking about the helper, the comfort, the, the Greek word is paraclete, one who comes alongside. I think, my peace I give to you, he's talking about giving them the Holy Spirit, right? And how good it is that he leaves and the Holy Spirit comes. So I think that's, yeah, yeah I think when, he's, when he calls, when he says, my peace, I think it's exactly, he's, he's making that synonymous with the Holy Spirit. It's kind of a big deal if, if Jesus is doing it. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's something that he gives to us. Yeah, I think it's a good idea to yes. uh, follow along with that and enjoy that peace. Yeah. And exactly. you talked about, though, people trying to substitute something else for a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And that could be something mm-hmm. physical or it could even be a relationship with Jesus that they're substituting for that. I, I think that's what you kind of mentioned. You kind of went along those lines that have a relationship with Jesus and, uh, you know, from there they're just like, Oh yeah, like I'm totally good. Like I've got this figured out. I've got this relationship with Jesus, but they're not really completing that relationship with God by relationship with the Holy spirit. Is that kind of, is that the lines you were going down there? I think I remember that right, Don. Well, I think I emphasize a lot of having, it's really easy to substitute, uh, a relationship with the Holy spirit with, particularly a Sunday worship service, you know, hearing the word preached from your pastor, right? Like that's like the typical way I think most people substitute uh, a relationship with, um, you know, with God and the Holy Spirit. I mean, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. There's, there's, they're not, you know, they're obviously they're two different persons, but he is the spirit of Jesus. He's there to reveal Jesus. Um, I think one of the things we need to understand, though, is, um, you know, he is about the Word of God. Uh, well, no, let me say that differently. He, um, if we're just in the written Word, looking at the written Word only as an intellectual exercise uh, and not really also engaging where the Holy Spirit is, um, well, what the written word tells us the Holy Spirit is doing, you know, giving us his word, giving us God's love, giving us anything, giving us God's name, the presence of Jesus, um, revealing different uh, parts of the written word to us in a way that's like leading us, you know, he's leading us, we're supposed to keep in step with him, you know, that kind of thing. If you just have a relationship with the Bible, particularly, that's like an intellectual exercise without engaging the personal as well, then you're going to sort of miss a lot of the benefits, particularly the peace of the Holy Spirit that he wants to give you. And that could fall under anything then, too, couldn't it? I mean, you could be substituting it with, a, say, a relationship with nature or something. Wouldn't you say, like, you know, if you focus on, you know, I'm just trying to, like, you know, spitball here, you know, if you're focused on, you know, being outside and, 
I don't know, the weird stuff people get into, like the mm-hmm. wind blowing and trees <laughs> and stuff. You know, I love nature, but like sometimes yeah. I'm, like, I look at people and I'm like, what are you doing? You know? <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's yeah. stuff like that, I think, too, that can be kind of substituted in that nature, like that, whether it be that intellectual or even kind of kind of spiritual nature. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. If you just get into a, a non-distinct, uh, you know, something where you're just in something where it's like, uh, I feel God here because of the beauty I'm experiencing. Of course, that's not bad as long as you're connecting it. But obviously, um, the Bible, of course, talks about us having a relationship with Jesus and God the Father through the Holy Spirit, right? Which has content and knowledge to it. It's not just a amorphous, you know, you know, happiness or joy or something that comes by seeing beauty. It's actually an interaction with the a person. One of the other things that you covered was uh, Jesus and how, like, I think you said Jesus had an intense life. That's how you described it. And if, like, does anyone really lead a life quite like Christ did? Uh, You know, traveling around everywhere as, you know, essentially a leader you know, mm-hmm. and he's going around and he's literally heading towards death on the cross. Mm-hmm. He knows this from the beginning. <clears throat> we even see uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, he's, you know, uh, sweating blood, right? I mm-hmm. believe is what it was. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's that's really stressful. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's, let's be real. I don't think yeah. any of us has ever sweated that's blood. Right. Yeah. But that's got to be pretty intense. And so. When we say that uh, the Holy Spirit is Jesus' peace, uh, and you were you were just kind of comparing, like, you, know, you can't have a relationship with Jesus and not have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, kind of thing. But you did we mentioned like that missing out part there, mm-hmm. and so does the Holy Spirit give us that like that much peace? Can we get that much peace from the Holy Spirit where uh, no matter what suffering we're going through? we can pull through that Mm -hmm. to the point where let's say you did sweat blood. Mm -hmm. Are we capable of getting that much peace from it the way that Christ did? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, one of the things I think that is important about every fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is one of them is peace, love, joy, peace, right? It is easy for us to, I think a couple of things. One, it's easy to emotionalize it in a way that's like almost associate any of those things with like pure happiness. And actually, I find it to the fruit of the Holy Spirit to be the exact opposite. I find myself, when I am experiencing the fruit of the Holy Spirit, not happy at first. Uh, I actually feel challenged at first. Uh, and then when I get the whole, uh, and then when, you know, after some time has passed, then I really experience some of the joy of it. I mean, think about patience even, right? Like patience never feels good at first, you know, but when you are actually patient, you don't feel good, but you like the the reward of it that you didn't do something hasty. Love is the same way, right? Often you want to do something more maybe just for yourself instead of something good for another person. That doesn't feel good, but at the end it actually, you, you know, the quality of the relationship is the payoff. I think peace is very much the same way. Because it does have the dynamic as well as reconciliation from, you know, uh, anybody you might be in conflict with as well. 
which is obviously when you're in conflict with somebody, you don't want to reconcile at first. You want to easily win the argument or whatever it is your conflict you're in. Uh, but as you seek peace between the two people, or even, I think, even the dynamic of having inner peace as opposed to, um, it, it kind of has the same dynamic too. Like at first, when you're anxious about something, you usually, when you're anxious, you usually want to like kind of continue in it. Even though it doesn't feel good, you often want to be like, kind of keep rolling around in your head or sulk or whatever you want to do when you're, or, you know, you can get mad and short with your the people, your loved ones and stuff. But, uh, you know, usually when we allow God's Holy Spirit to speak to us in that dynamic and give us his peace, um, we usually come through the negative feelings into God's supernatural peace. And so we can't really, we can't expect uh, our relationship with Jesus, as you said in the sermon, to be full. Uh, we can't, to be full, uh, well, a relationship with Jesus cannot be full in what you expect it to be without being engaged with him regularly, and that being uh, him and the Holy Spirit. So the, I guess the real question is, here's where I get a little, not confused, but just kind of, I start to wonder, because I feel like, when I engage with the Holy Spirit, it feels really obvious. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, reading the scripture, I feel like he speaks to me, you know, in like that subconscious or conscious kind of way. When I pray, you know, praying to the Father, through the Holy Spirit, and in the name of Jesus. But I guess I'm going to have to like switch gears here. What does the relationship with Jesus look like, and how does that compare to the relationship with the Holy Spirit? Because, like I said, one feels obvious to me, and maybe maybe the other one feels obvious to others, and the other not so much. What is what do both of those look like, both separate and together? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, it is kind of confusing. Probably, the preference of the Holy Spirit is just you just have a relationship with Jesus. And you experience that through the Holy Spirit is probably the best way to say it. So you have a relationship with Jesus. You have a relationship with God the Father. Um, you know, and you have that through the Holy Spirit. So um, when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, Jesus is speaking to you, and God the Father is speaking to you. There's no, it's not as if the other two are not involved when the Holy Spirit is revealing things whether in your conscience, your, intu your spiritual intuition, your mind, whatever it might be. They're all united in one. So to speak of the Holy Spirit giving you peace would be the same as Jesus giving you peace, which is the same as God the Father giving you peace. Uh, the Holy Spirit is really how that is made known to us, though. So, um, you know, the Father plans, he's the, on the throne in heaven. Jesus is at have, you know, God's right hand uh, in, you know, the kingdom of the heavens. And then the Holy Spirit is inside of us, making the mind of God known to us, the mind of Christ known to us, the love of God, the word of God, the will of God. So the Holy Spirit is how we experience and know and interact with Jesus and the Father. So really, to, to kind of break down what you're saying here, so when uh, I describe, 
as, I, as I'm praying in the name of Jesus through the Holy Spirit to the Father. That is, uh, sure, that's, that's all three of those persons in one. But then to go the other route, the I'm 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 hearing from Jesus when I'm like say I'm reading the scripture, studying or praying, I'm hearing from Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so really, this this comes down to uh, kind of a circle here, where you know prayers go up through the Holy Spirit, and response, if you will comes down through the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And so interaction in either way is also an interaction with the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yes, it's, it is. It's know, very, it, it gets, uh, it's so mysterious. But that it's, so, and they are separate because they are separate persons. Jesus is at the right hand of God. That's where he is. God is at, um, you know, uh, so Jesus is, is on God the Father's right, <laughs> right? And the, he's on the throne of the kingdom of heaven. The Holy Spirit is uh, also, of course, uh, you know, it is, it is the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of our, you know, the heavenly, our heavenly Father. Uh, but he is here to make, uh, uh, to dwell in us, to give us the life of God in our inner being, Um you know, also be the down payment of our inheritance to come, which is the new earth. Um, and uh, he's also the one, of course, uh, because of the Holy Spirit, we are also seated with Christ in the heavenlies, uh, even though we're also down here on earth. Uh, but because we have the Holy Spirit, we are at also uh, we are also seated with Christ in the heavenlies. So bonus, bonus <laughs> so, question, yeah, so bonus question though. Yeah. I got bonus question here because when I first became a Christian, I have to bring this up because this is just, it kills me every time I think about it. Okay. Uh, one of the things, we were sitting at a friend of mine's house having a Bible study. Okay. And uh, one of the guys there was like, well, the Holy Spirit is everywhere and in everyone. And it's in it's in you, it's in me, it's in your neighbors, and, and, and the Holy Spirit is in that TV and in this room. I don't see that in the scriptures. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. I also, I don't see that the Holy Spirit is in everyone. Mm-hmm. It's only in, the Holy Spirit, he's only in Christians. Right, correct. This isn't, the, not everyone in the world has the Holy Spirit. I feel like this is a hard concept to bring up. Yeah. But even Peter, wait, is it Peter? Who was it that uh, is heading to somewhere because they hear that they had received the gospel, but they hadn't received the Holy Spirit yet? Oh, Ephesus, yeah. Ephesus. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Paul's heading there then, or is it Peter that's heading there? Which one of those guys? Oh, sorry, you're talking about the Samaritans. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, Peter, yes, so um, Peter and James go that, to Samaria. That's an Acts, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, okay. See, this yeah. is why you're here, Dave. Well, they're both uh, <laughs> they're both right, right? So, uh, sure. yeah. But uh, the Ephesians don't receive the Holy Spirit until Paul um, comes and lays hands on them, if I can remember that correctly. And then the Samaritans don't receive it until uh, Peter and James come. So obviously, these people had heard the gospel and had not yet received the Holy Spirit. We see something similar at Pentecost, even. Mm-hmm. 
they received the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit did not go into the people they were preaching to until after, you know, God had done something there, right? Mm-hmm. Or it does... Yeah, because it was like, what, 2,000 saved that day or something like that? Well, how many were saved that day? Do you remember? Oh, yeah, like 2,000. Of the, yeah. the Pentecost, yeah, like 2,000. Yeah, yeah. like some crazy Two or 3,000, yeah. Yeah, so that, that was where I was kind of, I was like, later on, like, this is when I was a new Christian. Like, I don't even think I'd even read Acts yet, you know, when we were talking about this. And I read Acts, and I'm like, oh, I'm like, why, why is the Holy Spirit all of a sudden in everybody and everywhere now? But then he wasn't. He was kind of like where he chose to be, yeah. if you will. And now all of a sudden he's supposed to be everywhere. So I feel like, the, like, have you ever heard that before, like within the church? I haven't heard that. I mean, that's pantheism, which is like God is in everyone and everything. Um, well, you he's can got find a word God for it. The, so, yeah. So that is like classic pantheism. That's like new, a lot of new age religion believe, um, maybe not the Holy Spirit, but just like that God is in all things or that God's are in all all things. Um, so a lot of religions are, you know, will hold that. Uh, Christianity, you know, doesn't hold that the Holy Spirit is in all things and everyone. Uh, the Holy Spirit as a person indwells all those who have trusted Christ um, and confessed Him as Lord or trust that God raised Him from the dead. So uh, in a one sense, though, uh, everything in which the whole creation is in God, Paul says, in him we live and move and have our being. Um, and so that is uh, not a salvific sense or not a, a sense of like, because we live and move and uh, have our being in God means that uh, that we are all um, uh, in God's family justified. doesn't mean that. It just means that God is of such substance and reality that our very life uh, is caught up and in his life. There's nothing outside. There's no life outside of his life. So this, these people that don't have the Holy Spirit, they don't get the uh, the benefit of having the Holy Spirit point out all the times that they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, that so is you, one of the uh, <laughs> things that often... Us as, who have become Christians later in life find that we are like, oh, I feel bad about this thing I didn't used to feel bad about. Yeah, so that's you, exactly right. You compared it to being married and having kids. Like you, you get married, you move in with somebody, and then all of a sudden they're like pointing out like all these things that you do wrong. Yes. It's like, I didn't realize. <laughs> I never knew. You uh, thought you, we all think ourselves very good people until we get married, and then we think. We still have a vestige of thinking we're great people, and then we have kids, and we're like, oh my gosh, you just had no idea um, how your temper can be tested. You know, some people oh, who yeah. think they're very calm are like, end up like, wow, I can't believe I have this temper. Well, you said never had anything really happen to bring it out. Yeah, my so, wife and I are going through that right now. <laughs> like, like, we, I, I, I would not change anything ever, but we have noticed that ever since our our first was born, we we're like, wow, we we kind of suck, uh, you know, and we're like, Whoa. it is very disillusioning. Yeah, yeah to think, well, actually, there's a great meme I'll have to send it to you where it's a, it's basically just a parent like like kind of like standing next to their child, looking down at the child and saying. You're making it really hard for me to be the parent that I thought I would be. 
that's that's a fact, man. It's so true. I mean, you know, our our daughter's just just over one, you Mm -hmm. know, and it's not really even anything that she does. It's just what's required of us when we least expect it. You know, I mean, we'll go, we'll go like weeks of her like sleeping through the night, no problems. And there's like four days in a row where it's like, will you ever sleep? (laughs) Why God have you forsaken us? What are you you doing? You know? (laughs) So yeah, it's a little crazy, man. Uh, But yeah, you mentioned that and I was like, yeah, I I know that feeling. Uh, And I, I feel, you know, I've heard that before too, you know, but the problem is, is when my wife and I got married, we had no problems really. Like, we had none, you know? It was just like, we're both just like, later, like, whatever, you know? <laughs> and uh, maybe it was just because we were, we were, you know, in our late 20s. You yeah. Know, we were kind of past all that. You maybe, were uh, I don't dual know. income, no kids, uh, dinks, just experiencing. Uh, uh, don't even get me started on that junk, man. <laughs> this, like, that is so boring. It's such a boring <laughs> life. Like, we're like, uh, we're like what would we be doing right now if we didn't have this baby here to... To just hang out with yeah you know, like i my my afternoons now are spent like crawling around on the floor with her and just like yeah, i so very sweet. do whatever i can to make her giggle and laugh it's yeah. just like so fun i'm like what did i do before yes you so know true. i have no idea but so true. uh yeah we'll we'll have to do a special episode on having kids and dinks and uh <laughs> and oinks have you heard of oinks no. <laughs> one income nine kids <laughs> The that's, homeschool set? That's, that's what, is that what it is. The oinks, the, uh, the I think it's a Mormon thing. I think it's oh, a Mormon, Mormon thing. Oh, yeah. I can definitely see the Mormons. That's uh, actually probably a Roman Catholic thing, too. I can imagine. For sure. I, I, I told my wife I want to be oinks. So I'm like, let's let's do it right now. Like, let's. What did she come say? She kids. actually has to, you know, like, bury. I think she kids. got her phone out and started ignoring me, actually. <laughs> I think she was just like, I'm going to go Lies. back to yeah, my phone. Yeah, I'm that just going to scroll through old text messages and ignore my husband. I don't blame her. Uh, so, so the Holy Spirit reveals these things to us and shows us uh, what where we can improve, where we're wrong. What's a, what's the Holy Spirit really pointing out to us? I mean, is the Holy Spirit going to point out to me my driving habits? You know, like I'm just being like you know, just really like nailing it down here. Like, is it only going to be spiritual aspects? Is it only going to be? Uh, relational aspects uh or is it also going to be maybe like day-to-day things you know maybe like a order of operations is the holy spirit going to help me with you know hey you know it would have been smarter if you would have done this first and that next Mm -hmm. is it even going to get down to that kind of stuff or what do we really expect from the holy spirit yeah good question so i always liked there's a was a chinese christian in the 20th century named watchman Nee. And he's written out quite a few interesting books. Um, and he actually says, really, for us to be made alive in the Spirit and how the Holy Spirit then enters our spirit. He says, our interaction with the Holy Spirit um, is experienced through what he calls intuition, communion, and conscience. So he says... Basically, uh, in our spirits that have been made alive by the Holy Spirit, by the interest of the Holy Spirit in our life, that we now um, um, can sense the leading of the Holy Spirit through our intuition, spiritual intuition, communion, and conscience. And so we, so when you find yourself worshiping and enjoying God, you know, just kind of for who He is, what He's done, you know, whatever it is, that's the Holy Spirit and your spirit together 
communing with God, worshiping. That's made that you're a new, alive spirit uh, through the Holy Spirit, communing and worshiping and enjoying God. Um, uh, you know, conscience. We were just talking about that, right? Your conscience has a sense of, uh, uh, don't do this, do this. You know, and sometimes it's. Um, you know, and again, a lot of times that's very surprising to us a lot of times, right, where we are often alerted to things that we weren't doing that we should do or things that we were doing that we shouldn't do. You know, that's the part of the Holy Spirit conscience. The spiritual intuition is a lot of probably where you're asking and, and talking. Um, and we are led by the Holy Spirit. We are, um, uh, you know, we need to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Uh, we do know from the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit gave skill uh, to the people who built the temple. So they have real jobs of building the temple. The Holy Spirit was the one who gave them skill. Hold on, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. What temple was this? This was uh, the Temple of Solomon. Uh, the, the Jewish the temple. The first one. Yeah, the first, yeah. Uh-huh. The Holy Spirit gave them skill. Yeah, yeah, you just you can look at it there and see the, that um, because they were full of the Holy Spirit, they were filled with skill in like stonemasonry and other kind of woodworking and other kinds of things to build a temple. Seriously. So we know, yeah, yeah. I mean, the Holy Spirit, of course, right, is the one who is also bringing about the whole creation, right? So we know, of course, that God the Father is the creator. Jesus, the Word, was there also the creator. Uh, and the, But the Holy Spirit, who's hovering over the waters there at creation, right? He's also part of the creator. He's very creative. I mean, he's the one that brings it brings it to being. And, um, and so the Holy Spirit can give skill. We need to make sure that, like, we understand that, like, in our spiritual intuition, we learn this by experience. You need to be saturated in the written word of God because you don't want to get... Uh, off the whole, you know, off in a way where you are thinking God's leading you to do something that would contradict Scripture, you know, or the New Testament particularly. Um, you don't, but then obviously there's lots of things in our life that don't contradict Scripture. You're just like, I don't know, is this God, is this not God? But also we know that God also gives us freedom. You know, there's lots of different things. So, it, but it just kind of happens by experience. Uh, and so you, and that means also there are times where you're going to get God, the Holy Spirit wrong. Uh, hopefully you're not getting them wrong about like, uh, you know, I would never want anybody to think that, uh, oh, well, I don't know, I can't even think of it. I'm just going to think of some terrible example, but you know, like uh, it, but it still is very experiential. So I think I've told that story before here, right? Where this summer, where I was standing behind in line in Yosemite for coffee with a woman who had been walking for a limp for a year. So like just God gave me the thought that I should ask her to pray for her. Right. And I, uh, I asked her that after a little while prayed for her and she had been walking, uh, with a cane, wasn't able, wasn't able to walk very well at all, you know, not very far. Um, and, God used my prayer to heal her knee, knee, and she ended up doing like a three-mile hike with like over 700 feet of elevation in like night, and she did it in like an hour and 45 minutes. Um, and she had, and I actually have the, my daughter was there with me, so and I, and I also have the photo that she sent me. We actually saw her on the hike. 
So why did I have like a sense in my mind that I should ask her to pray for her, you know, for her need to be healed? Well, I mean, it's just part of that. Your spirit is made alive. You sort of like start to understand how it is that the Holy Spirit leads you to do things. Obviously, asking her to pray for her was not contradicting scripture. It was obviously kind of like a little scary because she could have just rejected me or whatever, you know. But it wasn't that total, that bad because it was just like I was just asking if I could pray for her. But God used it to heal her knee, you know. So God used her faith. She was a Christian. God used her faith. God used my faith. God used the prayer. God was the one who healed her, though, of course. And uh, so how did I know? Well, I don't know. It's, again, like the peppermint frosty a bit, right? You you have an intuition that's made alive by your Holy, the Holy Spirit by which he speaks. And, you, you know, you kind of walk it out. Are there times that I've gotten the Holy Spirit wrong? Absolutely. I actually thought this summer that, that God told me that my wife was pregnant. And, uh, <laughs> and I thought it was, like, from God. And so I went to Kroger and bought a uh, pregnancy test. And she was not pregnant, right? So, but, it, but, and, but that's also part of Scripture, too, is that, like, you, you test these things. You can test these things, you know? Like, so I thought God told me that Jenny was pregnant. I bought a pregnancy test. I didn't, you know. Uh, it was, you didn't you go know, back to <laughs> Yeah, and my wife thought I was nuts. Uh, but I was like, just please, you know, and, but I was, so I was wrong and it kind of felt, and honestly it, it didn't felt, feel totally different than when I felt like I should pray for that woman. Um, you know, so it's, it's tough. So it takes a little bit of experience and you kind of walk it out. But again, I think it's okay to also feel like it's okay to be wrong about some stuff. Like it was, you know, it was like, Hey, I feel like God gave me that you're pregnant. So let's just confirm this and whether that was just me having a weird thought or that's actually from God, right? So, I, Did I know that story? I did talk about it in a sermon. Maybe you didn't work there that week. So, I'm trying to say that I'm not here often, Dave. No. <laughs> Eric the Sinner. We should uh, do a special episode on Eric the Sinner. I'm just joking. You know what? I... I don't remember who said it, but somebody said, I heard somebody say one time, they're like, however bad you think I am, I can promise you I'm far worse. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And uh, I've used that a few times in my life, you know, yeah, and people look at me, they're like, wait, did he just say he's worse than what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, right. I'm like, yes, that is correct. Yeah, trust yeah, me. That's so You have not seen the worst yeah, sides of me, I promise so you. You know, I've heard a, uh, I had a, there was a preacher in Texas I really like, uh, he said that, uh, he said, if you knew all about me that I know about me, he said, you wouldn't let me preach. You know, he wouldn't let me preach to you. Uh, you know, you wouldn't even let me in the door. But, uh, you know, but he's also just saying, he's like, yeah, you can think I'm terrible, but it's worse than you think it is. And you wouldn't even let me preach. He's not being a hypocrite. It was just saying, like, yeah. you know, like, if you knew what I know about me, like, you probably wouldn't uh, come to that door. No, seriously. I, I think that's true about everyone, though. Yeah, hopefully people realize that about... Uh, hopefully Christians realize that about this. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, hopefully everyone realizes it. Cause, yeah. <laughs> you know, the thing is, we the sooner you accept that you're not perfect, the better. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it makes it a lot easier, which, you know, we can just roll right into this. Well, that actually uh, reminds me that... Well, one thing that the Holy Spirit does is he, 
shows you the thought and thoughts and intentions of your heart. Um, that talks about in Hebrew that the word of God is a double-edged sword, you know, separating soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and separating th the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Um, you will know often the Holy Spirit is going to give you really good insight into your intentions often. Um, a lot of us are, you know, pride, you know, wanting to be first, wanting to be best is something that uh, we all have, but we are blind to it. it the, the nature of pride itself is blinding. Uh, we, we don't think we're prideful. Uh, or we might just in a hypothetical bit, like, um, but the Holy Spirit often will, you know, when he'll show you the thoughts and intentions of your heart, um, which is, you know, I think it's not easy, it's hard, but it's very gracious, because ultimately the judgment to come is going to be, you know, obviously everything is going to be laid bare, all the secrets will be laid bare, every word will be laid bare, um, and so it's good to know that this is like judgment's beginning with the house of God, and so that's beginning with us too. Yeah, and I was actually going to go with, uh, is it Psalms or Proverbs? I never know. Those two books, like, there's so much interchanges in my mind there. <laughs> uh, but it, it actually says that the very problem of man is his heart. Yeah. And so that's, I mean, we, we just, every, everything that we're, if, if we're thinking that, like, oh, I have good intentions. You don't, <laughs> okay? You don't. You know, and I'm not saying, like, that's everything. Like, obviously, we've all gone into things with good intentions and mm -hmm. had good outcomes or even bad outcomes sometimes. But to, to think that you default to good intentions, I would say the scriptures would say otherwise. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things, too, we have to understand as Christians is that God will give us new desires for good. And so... Um, we, there is an error that we can kind of equal and opposite to the always thinking you're good is to, at the same time, always thinking you're bad. Um, because the Holy Spirit is renewing your heart and is making you, like you, like Paul says in Titus, zealous for good works. You know, you, you want to be zealous for good. So you shouldn't always say, um, oh, because I want to do this good thing, you know, I can find a way to, like, make it look like I'm being prideful or something like that, um, because it's not that way. The Holy Spirit is there also to uh, fulfill the good works that God has prepared for you. Which, to do. that's the next part, is you mentioned that we can ask the Holy Spirit to reveal things to us. Mm -hmm. And that can be one of them. So, yeah, like, like What I mean by that can be one of them, like, let's say, uh, just like throwing an example out there, say I'm going to donate money to something, uh, you know, you can really ask the Holy Spirit, like, am I donating this because I want to feel like I did something good, or am I donating it because uh, this is, I'm cheerfully giving, I, I want to, to do something good here, or am I doing it for my own pride? Like, even, cause mm -hmm. even if you don't tell anybody, even if you don't have your name on a plaque, you can do something like that for the wrong reasons. And, like, that's between you and God, you know, you don't have to go out and share that with everybody, you know. Uh, but you can definitely ask the Holy Spirit, like, am I doing this for the right reason or am I doing this for my pride? Mm -hmm. Even if it's your pride privately, mm -hmm. you know, as in like, oh, you know, well, I've done good things, mm -hmm. you know. Is it for that reason or is it for another reason? Yeah. And the Holy Spirit can reveal that to us. It can also reveal to us, say, um, 
what we do that annoys our wives. She like, you know, her and the Holy Spirit work in concert <laughs> like that. <huh? laughs> but it is, um, it is good. And I think that's why the written word is so important, right? Where, you know, cause even better than asking whether, you know, always questioning your motives is just to forget about yourself at all is ultimately you want to get to a place where, because uh, I love how C.S. Lewis says about pride, he says, the humble person is not the person who's always thinking low of himself, it's, it's someone who's uh, just not even thinking of themselves at all. And so when you go to, you hear somebody that's in need and need money, uh, you don't think, you don't really have to like even dig into the motivations behind it. You just give it because they have need and hopefully, you know, and hopefully you do it in secret, of course, but also you hopefully you like what Jesus says, you give um, uh, don't let your le- left hand know what your right hand is doing or right hand know what your left hand is doing. Which is basically just like, you're, it's even a secret to yourself, you know? Like, you're not even, like, thinking, like, you're not even really ultimately thinking about your motivations about why you're giving it. It's just, uh, hopefully that uh, you're just a generous person and you're, you hear the need and it flows out of you and you're not questioning, am I going to be blessed with this? And, are people going to recognize me for this? And it's just, again, that hopefully uh, you just more and more you become less and less self-absorbed. Yeah, I heard that that same thing from C.S. Lewis. I think I heard it uh, quoted a little differently. It was, uh, being humble is not thinking less of yourself, but rather thinking of yourself less. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And that's always stuck with me. Yeah. Because there is like kind of a, this idea that you have to be you have to make yourself make yourself lesser in order to be humble. That's right. That's not humble at all. It's still pretty self-absorbed to think of yourself in yeah. a lesser way. Yeah, that is. It's yeah. weird. That's weird, isn't it? It's it weird is that weird. way, isn't it? Pride is yeah. very weird. It is. It's um, you know. Uh, oh, I'm a lowly yeah, person. Yeah, I'm lowly. Yeah. Like no, just you don't have to be lowly. You don't have to. Be yeah. If, if someone <laughs> is like talking about down about themselves, you can know that they're not humble. Um, for sure, they're they're not necessarily uh, uh, they're not like arrogantly rude, uh, right? But they're also um, still stuck in a kind of a, a the self, you know, the, right? The, and the, especially the self that wants to be humble. Um, and uh, and now we all want to be humble because you know ultimately I want to be humble because I don't want because pride is embarrassing. I don't want to be prideful. God opposes the proud. Right, but uh, but the the way to be humble is never by thinking of yourself less. Right, it's just uh, or or thinking less of yourself. I'm sorry, I said yeah. it the wrong way. Uh, it really is trying to again, you know, and that's why the Holy Spirit I think is so important. You know, we ultimately probably only get over the addiction of self by replacing it with the power and relationship that we have with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Uh, Knowing it, getting his love, getting his words, living with him, abiding with him, experience.